When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello everyone and welcome along to the post-game podcast on the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red channel with myself, Patrick Smith, after Liverpool beat Tottenham Hotspur 4-3 at Anfield. An absolute thriller of a match and after bursting into a 3-0 lead after just 15 minutes, none of us could have imagined the finale at Anfield today. It was every Liverpool fan's worst nightmare when Spurs miraculously scored a late third goal and equaliser through former Evertonian Richarlison, but Diogo Jota was there to pounce and save the Reds' blushes and ensure they leap into fifth place in the Premier League table. There's plenty of talking points today, so let's get stuck into all the reaction. As ever, we have the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gorst, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and plenty of Liverpool fan reaction. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Pretty much all quiet around Anfield now, but this was the scene of one of the most chaotic games of the Premier League season. Ran about an hour or so ago as Liverpool won 4-3 against Tottenham after going 3-0 up inside 15 minutes. Um, if that sounds like an unbelievable game, it's probably because it really was. Uh, Diogo Jota scoring a 94th minute winning goal, nearly seconds after Richarlison had made it 3-3. Uh, but before that, Liverpool absolutely raced out the blocks and went uh, 1-0 up, 2-0 up and then 3-0 up inside 15 minutes as they threatened to uh, overwhelm Tottenham in the manner that they did uh, last week when they were beaten 6-1 by Newcastle United. Um, first appearance on a Liverpool team sheet for Luis Diaz in six months. He was named in the front three alongside Cody Gakpo and Mohamed Salah and he scored to make it 2-0 with a wonderful finish from Cody Gakpo's cross um, just a few minutes after uh, Curtis Jones had side-footed a wonderful cross from uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, down the Anfield Road, then clipped it to the back post and Jones finished off with a lovely cushion finish with his left foot. It was the first time the two scousers have combined for a Liverpool goal in the Premier League, would you believe, since Ricky Lambert flicked on for Steven Gerrard in the 6-1 defeat to Stoke way back in uh, May 2015. Uh, as I say, Diaz made it 2-0 and then Mohamed Salah made it 3-0, uh, putting to bed a patchy run of form. Uh, in front of goal from the penalty spot. Uh, he's missed his last two prior to this one, but Christian Romero brought down Gakpo. Salah uh, picked the ball up and stuck it away for his 28th of the season. And from there on, it looked like Liverpool were only going to come away from this one with maximum points. And they did, but they certainly made difficult work of it. Um, Spurs got themselves back in it with um, Harry Kane volleying past Alisson Becker after Virgil van Dijk had slipped, attempting to close down Ivan Perisic. Uh, and a 3-1, uh, the two teams came out in Liverpool um, were looking for a fourth goal that probably would have killed the game but didn't quite find it. Um, Spurs made it 3-2 and Son Heung-min raced clear of Liverpool's offside trap and side footer past Alisson Becker. And then Richarlison, of all people, he come off the bench to make it 3-3 in the 93rd minute. Uh, he celebrated uh, wildly, has to be said, he took his shirt off, he was doing his... Uh, trademark uh, chicken strut that he does and it looked like the former Everton player who had been booed mercilessly upon his arrival had struck the goal that had broken Liverpool's hearts but uh, literally seconds later the ball went back to Alisson he cleared up the pitch 
Lucas Moura took a heavy touch and Diogo Jota off the bench to score his fifth goal uh, of the season with a wonderful finish across Fraser Forster uh, to give Liverpool a win in the 94th minute. Uh, Anfield absolutely erupted with one of the biggest rows of this or any other season. Um, Jürgen Klopp tried to celebrate it, ended up pulling a hamstring <laughs> in the in the wild celebrations of it all and he was asked about it after the game and he was booked for the celebration in front of the fourth official and uh, the Liverpool manager still certainly has a bee in his bonnet with regards to referee Paul Tierney who he um, is not a fan of it has to be said the uh, Liverpool manager questioned why uh, his team hadn't had a free kick moments before Spurs were given one for the goal that made it 3-3 but in the end uh, none of it really mattered. It was one of the games of the season. A uh, pleasure to be here today to witness Liverpool beat Tottenham Hotspur 4-3. Um, the Reds move up to fifth. They are now f firmly in control of their European uh, destiny. Uh, European uh, destiny as far as the Europa League goes, but the Champions League might be a stretch too far now. But uh, up to fifth, ahead of uh, Aston Villa and Tottenham, with Aston Villa still to come here in Anfield. Uh, certainly not something that you would uh, associate as a successful season of Liverpool, only get Europa League football, but they uh, are in command of that, if nothing else at this stage of the season. They finished the year at Anfield, Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, you all saw it. Eh? Um, the start into the game was absolutely exceptional. Again, some of the best we played this season for sure. Um, being three and up against a um, pretty defensive setup taught them um, in a way we, we, we scored the goals. Um, the way we played offensively and defensively was absolutely exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. Then the problem being three and up that early. We are not the first team who misunderstood that. Um, should not happen. Happened anyway. Not immediately, but the third, goal, the first goal of Tottenham is the first moment where we don't defend properly, where we are not properly in a counter-pressing situation, where we are not pro like the distances were right or whatever. That's why we end up with a, the long ball in behind is no offside, and Bird slips. What obviously can happen. Um, we shouldn't come in a situation like that. So that's it. And let's call that goal. Yeah, credit to Tottenham, they are brilliant in these situations. Um, Half-time was like that. I, I, I told the boys the positive stuff, but of course already there where we have just to pick up rhythm again. Because if we play how we start the game, they have no way to defend us really. So it's tricky with the five in the back, with our players in between. If we are flexible there, it's, it's really what would have been tricky for them. Unfortunately, couldn't pick up rhythm properly anymore. It was not bad, it was more a, an even game um, than it should have been, but fine. And you should not concede. But then was the situation. Again, credit to Tottenham. They only need one like these moments. They had more moments, the crossbar, stuff like this. That's obviously the hectic you create with this situation. If they don't go in, it's 
difficult to deal with always. The, the team who is 3-1 down starts believing even more. The team who played super and is 3-1 up starts doubting a little bit and all of a sudden um, the game is open. Let's call a second. And then in the last minute more or less the, the, the free kick on that side. It was a situation before that he whistles a foul on Mo behind alone in front of the goal. Their defender slips, but we are not allowed to play on. Ball goes back, there's a foul, free kick in, goal. So meanwhile, the whole all, all Tottenham strikers were on the pitch. So um, could we have defended better? Probably yes, but it's really difficult. If the ball is in the in the air, so it's so difficult this chaos to 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 sort it properly. Three three doesn't feel great, but yeah, it's what we got. But then. Um, Diogo Chota had a different idea and um, finished it off for us and that's, that's the best part of the whole afternoon, obviously. You could see that around the 3-0, and I think I was millions of times super positive about the atmosphere and it's great, but the 3-0 was not a, a result for a sensation atmosphere. I remember, oh my God, what's that? We are that good. So pretty much everybody misunderstood it, everybody. The atmosphere was better after they scored the 3-1 than after we it was three, between 3-0 three and 3-1. It was like, uh, sorry, what's going on? There, nobody knew. I have to say now, I don't. I, I love that, all of them, but my song, don't sing it. When, if you want to sing it, sing it after the game, in the bar, wherever. Because it's always like closing the game. Like, we are 3-0 up and I said, I'm so glad Jürgen is a red. And I thought, oh, it's not over. So, it would be really nice if we could leave that um, for, for later. Um, and that's now. 4-3, fantastic result, everybody's happy. We had then obviously the, 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 the final part of the game was atmosphere by a poof explosion. Nobody will forget that game ever. So, um, and yeah, let's keep going. When, when the referee yellow card did you, did he say something personal to you? Yeah, but I will not. What do you mean personal? No, 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 he did. No, 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 it's just not. No, I will not say anything about it. So the reps don't say what, what is said, so I don't say what is said. That's easier to say. Yeah, it's the second time you've mentioned the situation with Paul Tierney. Well, I have to, I, the problem is, I, mean, I have to mention because you don't speak about it. So Paul Tierney gave us in a game, in a season where it would have been, was quite important, he didn't give Harry Kane a red card. And I love Harry Kane. What a player. Today again, my God, he's pretty much unplayable. That day, didn't get a red card. But he found, but Robo got a red card. So in this game, we drew 2 2. You might remember it. Hello? Sorry? December what? I'm sorry. December 21. Ah, okay. So whenever. So, and it was not the first time. There's so many things. It's just little ones. And it, I don't, it's, it's just not, you can, nobody in the stadium wanted a foul in the situation with Mosala. The linesman was completely calm, both hands down, and he whistled it. And then, yeah, of course we are emotional in these moments. It's difficult. It's not. It's not okay. We should not do that. Yes, we are role models. All clear. But we are human beings first and foremost. Before you are role model, you are a human being, and that happens in everyone. But I didn't say a bad word to the to the fourth official. Not at all. And he wouldn't have deserved it anyway because he didn't do anything wrong. But I turned around to the fourth official, celebrated in that direction, and pulled my hamstring probably in that moment. So fair enough. All good. I'm already punished. Got a yellow card on top of that. I think he thought it's a he should have got a different punishment, but because the fourth official was a yellow card, that's it. We have to ask, we have to ask Mr. Tierney what's, what's in this situation, what's, what's going on. 
Did you think it was a foul from Musala? Oh, you were writing in that moment, huh? Yeah. No, fine. No, it's not, sorry? Look, I know what you want now. I, I don't want to make the story. I said already probably absolutely too much, but I cannot help you now more with the story you write tomorrow. So I said what I said, probably too much, and I'll write what you want to write. I cannot help you now with, on top, more information, details, or whatever. Yeah, Ryan Mason's just been in I heard from a colleague of you that um, um, uh, Skip showed me on the pitch because of a challenge on, on, on um, Luis Diaz in the, earlier in the game. I didn't, I didn't remember it, but your colleague from Sky or whatever asked me of that. Do you have that situation in your mind? The mailman. Um, we got a red card for a similar situation. That's true. But Yogo was not at all intentional. It was not. He didn't see the head and went then with the foot there. So the foot was high, and then um, he went with the head there. That, which, that can happen. If he gives a red card, we cannot change that. Um, that's how it is. I really think Ryan has other things to worry about. I really think. But that's how it is. And last two questions, guys. Sorry? How bad is your hamstring? Bad enough. So, how I said, fair punishment for behaving not in a right way. So that's it. I have pain for a few days, Mr. Tierney not. That's it. I will be ready to do what I do always do and the celebrations, if we have something to celebrate, will be much calmer. Okay, last one. Yeah, again, I, I, I appreciate the, the game's just finished. Um, it was been a story over the weekend about the Premier League asking close to potentially play the national anthem um, before next uh, weekend's game. I just wondering, would you have an opinion on that at the moment? Or? No, I, uh, that's a club decision. The club will be a decision. Oh. You know where you want to lead the, the answer, and you know it. You know it. So, and I cannot. I cannot be part of that. I'm the German guy in the club. So, what should I say about that? Uh, that would be really great. If my if my opinion would count even, nothing to do with me. Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 4-3 win over Tottenham. The kind of excitement and delight that we don't really deserve after a season like that. And, and certainly not a game like that either. I mean, we really sparkled, didn't we, in the first quarter of an hour, was it? And, and I think the, the two changes or the two developments that we've had this season, I suppose you could call it an evolution in some ways, were, were largely responsible for it. Firstly, the the change in position that Trent Alexander-Arnold um, is experiencing, and that's been spoken about and written about many times, and I think we need to go over exactly how that's working out for us. But he was particularly effective, Trent, in that first quarter of an hour. Even um, playing to Fabinho's left for a considerable amount of the time. So he's not even 
the right hand or the right sided player in that two in front of the defence. He's he has plenty of freedom it seems to move the other side of Fabinho and it's good to see because we all know that when he gets the ball he's um, probably our most talented distributor and uh, you know, that, that's wonderful the other the other thing that really I think showed itself particularly well in that first quarter of an hour was Cody Gakpo's position dropping dropping back slightly into the Firmino row the 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 uh, the false nine role, not playing on the on the shoulder of the last man as you might expect someone like a Darwin Nunes to do uh, in that central position among the front three, and he was involved in all. He played a part in all three of Liverpool's goals, and I thought was particularly effective. I was fine with him being substituted later on, but in that first. 15, 20 minutes, I think he, he seemed to have plenty of confidence. He seemed to be at home in that position and he seemed to be very, very effective as well. And what a start it was. Um, you know, it was really very satisfying indeed. From there, the ability to break at speed, which Jurgen Klopp had highlighted before the game, became very evident. And let's face it, Tottenham should have won this game, I think. Um, Alison Becker's goal frame was probably our man of the match. In in reply, we we weren't able to do very much at all for the the vast amount of the game that remained. Robbo's deliveries from wide positions were overhit at least three times and not helpful. Mo was very involved, wasn't he? But um, his final pass and his final shot just not there. Good substitutes, I thought, from Jurgen bringing. Um, Diaz off for Jota and Elliot off for, for Henderson. But Spurs stayed on top and, the, and they really should have walked away from Anfield with all three points. What what a brilliant, uh, you know, final throw of the dice. Uh, and um, Jota with an excellent finish, keeping the ball low towards the far post. Um <laughs> very, very satisfying indeed. And I don't know if you noticed, and I'm sure it'll come out in the post-match interviews, but Jürgen clearly did his hamstring during his celebrations. He went over to the fourth official and tried to give him what for. Clearly, um, they'd had a bit of a some verbal sparring earlier on, and I think Jürgen went over to, <laughs> to just rub it in a little bit and, <laughs> and uh, leapt about uh, two feet in the air at one point because clearly done his hamstring and it was a tough old hobble over to the cop to give the the three-fisted salute so well done Liverpool three points but it's not all sorted out is it we've got good developments in Trent's positioning and Gakpo's positioning uh, and it's nice that we've got alternatives that we can push Nunes further up the field as an alternative to what Cody Gakpo is doing but uh, there's still so much to Still so much to fix, isn't there, if Tottenham can do that to us uh, on our own patch. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Crazy game at Anfield. Liverpool ends up coming out on the right side of it, 4-3 against Tottenham. Uh, And in the first half, in the first 20 minutes, obviously Liverpool played very well and got themselves into a 3-0 lead. And at that stage, you thought to yourself, well, it's going to be a really good performance from Liverpool. They're going to control the rest of the game. And... 
go on to potentially score more goals. Well, it couldn't have been favour from what ended up occurring because it turned into an absolute shambles for Liverpool in that second half. And, you know, Liverpool managed to end up getting the win from a poor back pass from Tottenham and a fantastic, I must say, finish by Diogo Jota. And that is why he is so valuable to the squad because inside that 18-yard box, off both feet or aerially, He's an excellent finisher. And that composure, even though you know it was a, a mistake, a, a bad back pass, Jota has to control this, set himself, and then to finish on his unfavoured left foot. Now, we know Jota's very capable off both feet, but still, it is not his predominant side. And the finish, I thought, was just outstanding. It was the pressurised situation, the amount of time he had to be able to make his decision within the penalty area and then execute the finish. And it ended up giving Liverpool the points and potentially on course now to qualify for the Europa League. But throughout the game, I think the main talking point I really wanted to touch on was the position of Trent Alexander-Arnold, because it seems to be the biggest talking points everywhere, really. And it's understandable because Liverpool's shape has been changed when they have the ball, and in transition, when they're looking to win the ball back, to Alexander-Arnold playing in a midfield position alongside Fabinho as part of a Liverpool midfield box. And it seems that every commentator, every pundit wants to discuss the strengths and weaknesses of the role. And Gary Neville was no different today on, on commentary. And I just felt it, it really, and this is going to sound ridiculous really, who might have questioned Gary Neville, but... I just felt the commentary and the analysis of some of the observations he was making about Alexander-Arnold's position was so far removed from the role that Alexander-Arnold has both with and without the ball. And what I mean by that is, as we spoke about before, when Liverpool are looking to win the ball back higher, so the opposition are in possession of the ball, looking to build up, looking to play out from their defensive third, Alexander-Arnold will occupy a midfield section of the pitch. Alongside Fabinho, Liverpool have more players in advanced areas to be able to steal the ball back and get more bodies in close proximity to be able to offer cover, balance, support and essentially suffocate the opposition. Now, with the first goal today, Tottenham were attempting to play out. They were attempting to play through midfield and Alexander-Arnold adopted that normal position in which he would jump and, and try and steal, steal possession of the ball from a higher area. However, Tottenham were able to evade that pressure because they played the ball into Son. Ibrahim Akanati jumped to try and engage with Son to the ball. Son created a wall pass, I believe it was maybe, or a, a one-two-touch pass back. And then Spurs occupied the space in behind to allow Perisic to run in behind the, the, the space that Kanati had vacated, allowing Virgil van Dijk to then come across as any centre-half would in them sort of partnerships on the field. If Canatis comes out of that position, then Van Dijk shuffles across. And then Robertson. And the accusation or the narrative from Gary Neville is that they exposed the space in behind Alexander-Arnold. Now, that for me is just totally incorrect. In that moment when Liverpool are looking to win the ball back from Tottenham, Alexander-Arnold's role is not to drop back into a nominal back four. Alexander-Arnold will only occupy, for the most part, that position as part of a back four 
when Liverpool are not looking to apply pressure to the ball. So say, for example, Liverpool want to go into a mid-block or they want to have some time where they're not looking to pressurise the ball and win it back early, then Liverpool will go back into their default 4-3-3 shape, which will see Alexander-Arnold play on the right in the right-back position. Or, the only other time you might see that is if the opposition go longer earlier and are looking to play more direct and essentially beat Liverpool's pressure. So, in this particular moment, Liverpool are looking to win the ball back higher. So, Alexander-Arnold's position then is not to make a long bust and run back into the right-back zone. That area is to be occupied by Ibrahim Kanati. Now, Kanati comes out of that zone and Van Dijk has the situation under control. He's against even Perisic. One of the reasons Liverpool have the centre-halves and have acquired the centre-halves they have is because they've got the physical profiles to be able to manage large distances in behind them. And that's what's given Liverpool such great success over the years that they've been able to leave lots of space in behind and the defenders have been able to manage in isolation. Now, nine times out of ten throughout Van Dijk's, or 99 times out of 100 in Van Dijk's Liverpool career, he simply sees that situation out. He shepherds Ivan Perisic out to the sides of the pitch and there's no problem that Liverpool will face. In this situation, however, Van Dijk break, breaking distances and his breaks that he applied did not work. He obviously slipped when he was going over to engage with the player and then it created Liverpool a problem. Now, that was the first source of problem that Liverpool had. They had a situation that was more than under control but an, an individual slip. But the second one was that Andy Robertson then overcommits from his position on the left-hand side, obviously sees in his eye line that Van Dijk's made a slip, and for me, overcommits too early, leaving the space in behind for Harry Kane to then expose Liverpool and finish, as he always does, excellently with a brilliant execution. But that was not a problem for Liverpool, that scenario, and that is a scenario that they will face on multiple occasions, whether they are playing a back four or whether they are playing a back three. The individual errors of the players who were operating in them roles, covering them positions, unfortunately, from Kanati jumping out to Van Dijk slipping to Robertson overcommitting, then created the goal for Tottenham. So I felt it was a real lack of understanding. And I think what has to be understood here is that Liverpool, essentially, with the ball and when looking to counter-press, are playing a 3-4-3 system. Now, this is not a 3-5-2 system that you would have seen in different incarnations down the years. So Liverpool under Roy Evans in the 1990s played a free centre-half system with two wing-backs in Jason McAteer, Rob Jones or Stig Bionaby in them roles. And essentially, th- these players in the wing-back roles were full-backs. They were full-backs whose primary responsibility was to, was, to, was to look after the whole side of whichever side of the pitch they were on, look to join attacks, get crosses into the penalty area, but also the main reason that they were there is is because they were the players who would drop into them defensive slots when Liverpool were under pressure or ceded possession to the opposition. Now, that is not the system that Liverpool are playing. Liverpool are playing a 3-4-3 in which they are essentially playing with three defenders across the width of the pitch. Now, Liverpool are not playing with wing-backs on the sides of the pitch. They are operating with wide players who are playing higher. So, in, say, Mohamed Salah and Luis Diaz in this sort of situation. So, their start positions are an awful lot higher. 
So it's a completely different system that you're seeing. And I think when Neville talks about it, he's almost referring back to his system that he played multiple times under Glenn Hoddle, which was a 3-5-2 and completely different in that sense. Now, the interesting thing for me with Liverpool and how they go forward from here is Liverpool can still play a 3-4-3 system next season and not have a player in Alexander-Arnold who changes roles based on whether the opposition have the ball and whether Liverpool have the ball and what pressure will Liverpool want to apply. Alexander-Arnold can, can play primarily and predominantly all the time as a central midfield player. And if he was within this system, then there wouldn't be that clamour or that explanation that seems to be need to be said about or a misconception of where he should be at what moment in time on the playing field. But because Liverpool are adopting this hybrid approach depending on the different scenarios within the game, that is what is causing the issue. I mean, you look at the even the Spurs, was it the second goal? Yeah, yeah, the second goal. With Alexander-Arnold, again, it is pressurising higher and then trying to recover his position within the transition. Canati has to deal with Son in that situation. And again, that's why Liverpool have bought the profiles of these players because whether Liverpool were playing 4-3-3 or whether they're playing a 3-4-3 now, Liverpool's centre-half have always had to manage the wide areas because... The fullbacks have always played advanced and had to recover their position when the ball was turned over. So there's not a great deal of difference. I think the lack of understanding just comes from the dual role he's operating, dependent on the circumstances within the game. So the interesting thing for me going into the next season will be, do Liverpool carry on with this system? If they do, do they still have a player who's playing a hybrid position? Or do they have a 3-4-3 system, should I say? which incorporates Alexander-Arnold as a central midfield player, non-dependent on the situations within the game, almost within a fixed position. That will be the interesting one for me. And it'll bring an end to this, some misconception about his responsibility and almost blame on some of the scenarios that they be- many pundits believe the areas that he should be in, when because of the system, he, that is not his role and responsibility. So I hope I, I tried to explain that a little bit a little bit easier. I hope anyway. Maybe it didn't maybe it didn't work that well. But it's certainly the big talking point from the game today. And one that just frustrated me a little bit watching it. Liverpool weren't great, they were awful in the second half, I thought, but they managed to get the win nevertheless. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Liverpool four, Tottenham three, and the pieces of jagged metal either side of Buffalo Bill's cowboy boots could not have been spursier. How tragicomic it all had been to see Ricky the Rooster, a.k.a. the Cock, clucking his way around Anfield, only for Jota to slaughter the winner, the home crowd to go finger-licking crazy, and Jurgen Klopp to pull a hammy while doing his own impression of the Rooster's crow. What a game! In terms of performance, to focus on that for just a little short while, there was nothing new under the sun or under the FSG outplaying. Liverpool were yet again as equally capable of the sublime as the ridiculous, and we simply stopped running and harrying for some unknown reason in that second half. The first 25 minutes, though, were spellbinding. 
I don't know who we're going to get this summer, but we sure need people with great stamina to be able to sustain the pressing. This has been the case all season, and we'll leave it in the capable hands of Jürgen and the team. Zooming out a bit, and the Premier League title might be tediously going the way of the financial dopadopes once more. But when the Premier League serves up weekly entertainment such as this, it does keep the old passions a-flowing, doesn't it? What a sport! We love footy. We love Jürgen. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast, looking forward to a bit of Monday night footy now, and wondering what to eat while it's on. Perhaps some deep-fried rooster. Hello, Alex Watt. Happy bank holiday weekend. Not sure how everyone else is holding up after that one. Um, It's always extreme highs and lows watching this football club, but I don't generally expect to get quite so many ups and downs in the same game. Um, An unbelievable start to the game and then just an absolutely unexpectedly wild finish as well. Um, Richarlison... Getting that equaliser, I mean, his first goal for Tottenham, it seemed horribly inevitable that was going to happen from the moment he came on the pitch with the way the game was going at that point. But you can always rely on Spurs to do one more stupid thing before full time. And that pass from Lucas Moura, an absolutely bizarre decision, but it played Jota in. And in the form he's been in recently, he's just not going to miss that. And thank goodness he got that chance to score and secure the three points for us after it looked like we'd completely thrown it away at the end after that incredible start. Incredibly funny, let's be honest, that Richarlison was giving it the big celebration, shushing the fans as well after he scored, only for this to happen moments later. Somehow the perfect encapsulation of both Spurs and Everton in one moment. Also incredible that Jurgen Klopp celebrated so hard Gave it the big one, screaming in the face of the fourth official that he appears to have pulled his hamstring. And even after that, he was still over there giving the fist bumps with the fans after the match. Just never change, Jürgen. Just the the perfect encapsulation of this man and why we love him. But yeah, it's it's nice to be winning again (laughs) consistently, isn't it? It'd be nicer if we could just calmly win games. Um... This one, after the start, we shouldn't have had to do a big dramatic winner at the end, but we'll take it. Um, I think we know top four is probably going to be out of reach now. We've got like seven, ten points to make up in these final games of the season, which seems like a bridge too far. But obviously you have to keep put, pushing and you just never know. And yeah, the the game, the start of the game, I think we, I think we expected to come flying out of the traps a bit, given Spurs' recent form. But to be two goals up within five minutes was still quite a lot better than I was expecting. Obviously, Spurs had previous for this after Newcastle and how quickly they went five goals down there. And it looked like it could be more of that against us in the first half here because every time we got the ball, we were slicing them open with passes. We looked like we were going to score every time. The, The lack of pressing from them at that point was ridiculous, really. They looked so disorganized. There were gaps opening up whenever we pushed forward. But they did rally after that, um, probably because the players realised if we scored too many more, they'd have to reimburse the Spurs supporters again. But quite how this ended up the way it did after this start, I don't quite understand. It was so frantic towards the end of the game when 
we should have been in such firm control and that's been the concern too much this season, that lack of control in seeing out games that we've had in obviously the best season under Klopp. And that that is a concern. It felt like we took our foot off the gas when we probably should have been five or six up if we really kept pushing um, because there were loads of positives in the game, particularly in that first half, obviously. The inverted fullback role Trent is playing is bringing loads of positives still. He's getting the assists again. That's been great to watch. Luis Diaz back in the team scoring again. Uh, Mo scoring penalties again after missing the last couple. Uh, Curtis Jones on the score sheet as well, which he really deserves. He's been great since he's come back into the team. He's been a real underrated factor I think in the uptick in our form recently and then of course as we said Jota coming on to score again he's on a hell of a run at the moment in terms of goals um I've no doubt there'll be lots of narrative post-match about Jota not getting a red card for his high boot on skip then of course going on to score the winner and I imagine that discussion will completely ignore the fact that skip shouldn't have been on the pitch at all because he should have been sent off for that horrible challenge on Luis Diaz in the first half, but there we are. Tierney and Coote strike again. VAR, pointless. Anyway, but yeah, despite there being, you know, these negatives towards the end of the game, you also can't get away from, let's face it, the big positive of how incredibly funny <laughs> scoring the winner is. Um, Richarlison and Lucas Moura combining to give us an Origi Pickford moment for a new season and for that I truly thank them both. So Fulham next, hopefully that'll be a bit more routine than this one was. Cheers up the Reds. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.